said, give me a hell yeah. I said, give me a hell yeah. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast, talking all in, which was just uh, Saturday evening. Watched it alongside my buddy, John LaRocca. We're here in the evening now talking about it. Uh, John, after it's been it's been about three hours since since we watched the show. Uh, any anything change for you as far as, you know, if, after you've had a chance to think about it? Because I think we, we all thought it was sort of... Uh, on TV. It was a pretty good show, saved by the last three matches, overall entertaining uh, night, but anything changed for you since you sat down and thought about it? No, I'm about the same. About the same. I thought, you know, what was those last three matches, I wasn't really into it, wasn't really feeling it, and then the last three matches, you know, got me, finally got me engaged into the show. Maybe a little before that, though, I did, I did enjoy the uh, Cody-Nick Aldis match as well, so... I, I see uh, a lot of folks really love the show, especially those who were there live, and also those who are sort of, uh, I guess not even sort of, but very familiar with the uh, being the elite show, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, um, Marty Skrull, Adam Page. Uh, if you if you are fans of those guys, I don't think it was possible at all to dislike this show. I think you got exactly what you would, you would hope for. But I also saw folks who don't really follow that stuff as closely um, kind of nitpicking it a little bit, specifically like the production. Uh, I think – I thought – actually, you know, I know this was probably helped out mostly by the ROH guys, but I, I was actually impressed with the production based – you know, I'm not a big fan of the ROH show or ROH's pay-per-views, but I thought this was actually better than the ROH stuff. Uh, but lot I think lots of people were like, oh, well, what's this, you know, what's this fancy indie thing? And, you know, oh, it doesn't look like a WWE show. And, and, you know, Kevin, nah, every, you know, people, people, people think, uh, you know, Kevin Dunn is, is, is not good at his job, but look at this show and, and on WWE, it would look a lot better. I saw some of that stuff, which, um, you know, it's, it's fine. Like, I think it's, I think it's fine for a viewer to think about this because, if you were a wrestling fan who maybe gave the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega a shot for the first time, you may not have been wowed from something like that, like the production. But if you really sat and watched the matches, especially we talked about the last few, I think you would have. I think you would have been, you know, really happy with the product. Um, but what did you think about like the production and the announcing and the stuff that you know you kind of take for granted when you watch a WWE show because it's it's just sort of been the same for the longest time um i thought the production was okay good in some bad in others um i really like how they lit the crowd with the ring i thought that looked great um the stage looked great all that the ramp i thought that was that was that was that was, that was perfect and i thought it was really important to like the crowd because they had such a big crowd and you want to show that you know and then it's a very enthusiastic crowd and like, especially during like big moments, you know, you can really see them jump to their feet and react, and that just adds to the matches. And 
to the you know, the whole viewing experience on television. Um, they did have a lot of production errors. Um, at one point, I think they even said that they were going to throw it to Shamu interviewing Christopher Daniels. It was up to a match <laughs> with Stephen Amell, and it was Nick Aldis talking about his NBA World Title match with Cody Rhodes. Was that the so, only time yeah, we saw like, Sean Mooney? Yeah, it was the only time. Yeah. So, so, so he was part of this show uh, only to do this one small interview piece. That's kind of interesting. Well, I'm get, I'm guessing he did too, but they didn't show it, so they just scrapped it. You know, they scrapped the the Daniels interview. They must have. Um, I'm guessing, and then. Um, uh, in the commentary, I, I mean, people bag on WWE commentary, but I mean, I rather, I rather take uh, Michael Cole and Corey Carries over the commentary they had tonight. You know, I think some stuff wasn't funny, and I, I think Don Callis wasn't as entertaining as he usually is. Usually, he's he's very entertaining in this role. I think the three man boot hurt them as well. Excalibur, you know, I guess his. I mean, I don't really watch PWG. DVDs or anything, but I mean, from clips I've seen, he's kind of, kind of funny and outrageous, and he was like, kind of like in the middle here, and it just, um, I don't know, it wasn't tech. He said some funky things, and that were kind of like, like he's trying to be funny, but it's just kind of like a roll your eyes kind of, you know, yeah, reaction, and then um, uh, the ROH uh, commentary, which I always forget his name, uh, but. Uh, yeah, he's okay. Uh, he doesn't really stand out to me as anyone special, but uh, but uh, but so, yeah, I mean, I, I, they could have done a little better on that one. I was kind of hoping. Honestly, it would have been cool if it was just Kevin Kelly and Don Callis for the show, but what, what, you know, how, it's always production essentially. So how do you gotta, how do you compare it to Matt Stryker and Vampiro? Oh my god! <laughs> well, dude, that was like the greatest. <laughs> Just the highlights of all the fuck ups from uh, Triple A, Triple A, Triple A Mania is just like a, it was like the funniest. Like you, you gotta search it out, like the video from YouTube. It's like so funny. This this one guy highlights like everything that was bad about Triple Mania, and it's like a five hour show, and he cuts it down to like I don't know, it's like it twenty, 20 minutes, minutes yeah, like that. sixteen minutes, or something. and it's just like hilarious. I just love it. Like Vampiro won't. Come in the ring because his music on playing. He's like calling the truck. Oh my god! What so, a so for those who are listening and who didn't hear about the debacle that was Triple Triple Mania, uh, go to the uh, Fight Game blog Facebook page, uh, and I, I posted it there. It's probably it's probably like two or three posts down, but. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of sitting through YouTube videos. Uh, you know, if I'm on my phone or whatever, but I turned it on because you sent it to me. And I thought, okay, I'll, you know, I'll kind of just skim through this thing and, and you know, kind of uh, s- slide the little thing at the bottom to, to skip ahead. <laughs> and I sat there for the full thing and I watched all of it. It was, um, it was hilarious. The, 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 the stuff, car wreck, man, the, it's hilarious. The thing that kept cracking me up is uh, Matt Stryker and Vampiro thought that they were going to be on camera. And so they were kind of setting up you know, to, to pit or to talk about whatever they had to talk about, you know, in WWE, they do this between matches and they kind of talk about what they just saw and then what, what they're going to see. And then they then kick it to the video package or an interview or whatever. But every time they expected the camera to be on them, 
it was actually on the Spanish announcers, and so you could if you, you if you looked behind the Spanish announcers and like to the right, like they're kind of in the shot, and they didn't really know what to do. Like they didn't know if they were supposed to like speak over it or kind of just let it go or like they, they were like confused. Sometimes they just looked at their Twitter. Like it was so it was ridiculous, but just stuff like that was was uh, it was so bad to where it was almost good. Um, but yeah, that's so that's that 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 that's what that joke was about. But so to go back to this show, I, I I mentioned to you and our buddy, the Heartbreak Kid, David Rubio, who we all watched this show together. I mentioned, I said, man, you know this this would have been real. This would have been a really hard show to broadcast because you have guys from ROH, from New Japan, from um, uh, CMLL and AAA, and you know just guys who are. Uh, who you need to sort of follow through uh, almost like through their own Twitter to see, you know, storylines and, and you got to watch being the elite because there were so many things going on in all of these matches that if you didn't study and really know these guys, well, like you, you would have had no idea what was going on with some of this stuff. So I thought it was one of the harder jobs in, in broadcasting to do a show like this. Cause there's so many guys from so many different, um, different companies and, doing intricate storylines like some of the some of the young buck storylines or the the uh storylines from being the elite were like six months in the making right like like if you didn't follow the episodicness of of being the elite you, you know you may have missed something like the the adam page and uh, joey ryan stuff has been going on forever and so i thought it was pr- i thought it was pretty hard show to do so i understand some of the variedness in the announcing and you know when when cody and and, and nick aldis came in the ring they had different announcers um and so they were trying to give give some of the matches a different a different sound but like you the only thing i was thinking i was like man i just wish kevin kelly was on this show because Kevin Kelly, a he's uh, you know he he will steady to make sure that he's on the up and up with with all the the storylines and b like you mentioned with Callus like he sets up Callus so well and I think Callus was just uh, underwhelming this entire show almost like he didn't even really want to be there or, or whatever like he was just, like sometimes he just wouldn't talk and so I think Kevin Kelly you know would have been great on this show uh, you know obviously they want their ROH guys you know they're given ROH. Um, some of this because our you know ROH has been very influential in their their career as much as you know as much as New Japan as as well. So I understand that part of it, but um, I think it was sort of like a, a tough job made a little bit tougher uh, by kind of changing the announcers in and out. Um, I'd, I'd actually never heard Excalibur on commentary either. I thought he was pretty. I thought he was okay. Like he he sounded like he was on the up and up with everything. You know, sort of like how we would be on, on a lot of this stuff. But yeah, like there was there there was um, you know you listen to Jim Ross and he talks about like what his role is and it's almost like you needed some guy to stitch like everything together for it to make sense yeah and that's what they were missing yeah, you needed you needed a, you needed a you needed a quarterback in there and like you felt it was almost like you had three offensive offensive linemen trying to figure it out you know yeah that's what it felt like to me and I think also like it was kind of weird because. Excalibur and Don Cows kind of had the same voice. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of confused who was talking and, and what sometimes. Like, I was like, is that Don Callis? And then, then I was like, who is that? And it's Excalibur. 
and it's just, it's just interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought they took away from a lot of the matches. I thought some of the jokes were just weren't hitting at all. And um, I think they need to be some serious. And also, I don't like like a lot of commentary on the indie level. Kind of falls into this same like they're always comparing every every move that's been done is compared to someone famous that did the move before them yeah, right like yeah. like for example i forget which match it was but like uh i think i think it was the okada marty scroll match and i think okada hits a d yeah he hits the det on the floor on marty scroll it's like so you know they had reference to jake roberts you know you know DDT and Rich Steamboat or, you know, something like that. And it's like, then it just reminds me of like, yeah, that, that turned to like an angle. <laughs> Last of bunch. Yeah. You know, and then this guy's just getting up like within a, not even exactly. a minute later. So. Yeah, I thought Steamboat, so, I thought Steamboat like, died. You know, shades of this, shades, shades of Harley Race, shades of Ricky Steamboat, shades of Ronnie Stelz, you know, shades of <laughs> Rick Flair. It's like, okay, okay, we get it. You know, just, just call the match. Like you're calling the match, you know? Yeah. So, don't like just bring up all this old stuff. It just doesn't doesn't really help much, you know. It kind of reminds you like these guys aren't as good sometimes. So the guys are the best, but uh. so one of the things that uh, I, I I guess my, one of my issues and, and and look, WWE has trained us that for the most part we don't even really pay attention to the announcers because they're just selling product and 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 nothing else really and they're not really you know they're not being truthful like you can't trust what michael cole says to be uh honest about what's going on and then you know if if uh if cory graves says something then coachman may argue with him and then he may basically say coachman's an idiot so then it's like okay why am i listening to an idiot for um but with kevin kelly and uh, and 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 Don Callis, and even when when Rocky Romero was doing the announcing, you really I, I I really listened to them because a I'm not as solid on the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but b they're actually like I, I sort of mentioned they're st- Kevin Kelly is stitching things together that in the ring. You may not even realize like something's happening. You know, he'll call back to uh, a move from a Tanahashi and Okada match from you know a couple years ago or something, or Omega and Okada. You know, this relates back to their first match when this didn't happen. And so I think that stuff is is really awesome on a show like this where there's nothing to really call back to. Uh, or nothing really to stitch together. It was just sort of. I guess that's what makes it an in- independent show, right? Because there, there, there's no real storylines building from a show that they've previously done together. Now, if they do all in two, then maybe you can start doing that. So that 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 was um, missing as well. But I think at the end of the day, they 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 a they had a really hard job, and b. It was uh, it was the first time sort of doing something like this, so I didn't really expect it to be great. Uh, but the the thing that you missed uh, was the WGN uh, Zero Hour, and that was really where they got their kinks out because Cody and the Bucks came out to start the show, and it was like uh, it was a cold start, uh, so there wasn't like any any music or there wasn't a, a package. It just went from commercial 
and then wide shot of the crowd and then, you know, to, to the stage where Cody and the Bucks were. But somebody must not have known that they were coming on or that their mic was hot because before anything happens, you just hear this big sniff, like someone like takes a deep breath. <laughs> and so you hear this big sniff and then it zooms to the stage and then Cody and the Bucks are talking. So I was like, OK, that's like a world record of like screwing up within the first second of the broadcast. <laughs> but uh, but, you know, at the, you, you give them the benefit of the doubt, like this, this is the first show. And I don't imagine a ton of people were watching on WGN, though I did have some friends who said, oh, thanks for reminding me, because this is the only part of the show I'm going to be able to watch. So a couple people did watch that I know. And if you look at ROH's production, like, I don't I don't remember them doing a live show. Right. Right? I don't think they ever done live TV, so it was new for them, too. And the whole, you know, live TV is a whole different ballgame, as, as, you know, as you know. Yeah, and, and so Cody and the Bucks come out. And, uh, you know, they're fired up. Well, I guess they've done live TV with the pay-per-view. Well, they, so yeah, that that's, that, that's, that's the one. They don't, they don't, their, their TV is taped, but yeah, they do, they have the live yeah. pay-per-view stuff. Um, yeah. but, uh, but then, but then Cody and the Bucks come out and they're excited. And so they kind of scream into the mic a little bit. And you know how the sound, the staticky sound that a microphone will make if like your volume is too high. So you mm-hmm. heard that for like the first 10 seconds of their speech. And then I think what happened was is that they just got turned way down so that wouldn't happen again. And so I had to raise the volume on the TV to hear what they were saying. And so that was a little bit of like a, you know, that was a little bit of a, uh, of a mix up there. And, but it, 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 didn't, um, it didn't stop there. So they introduced Road Warrior Animal because uh, I think, I forget, one of the Bucks said, you know, you can never have like a, a major show without a, an old legend coming out. And so you think, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Road Warrior Animal, Chicago. He's on, he's on his, his motorcycle. He's wearing the shoulder pads. But I can't tell if the crowd pops for him because they turned the volume down so low that all I saw was Road Warrior Animal. And he was on the screen for such a short amount of time. And then they went immediately to like their next thing. And so then uh, then they, they started teasing about uh, that they had a, bu- a budget for Pyro. And then uh, Nick and Matt were like, OK, you know, we're going to we're going to blow this budget in 90 seconds. Let's just get all the pyro out. And Cody was like, no, 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 no we got to save it, you know. And so then they count down for the pyro and then the pyro doesn't happen. And so they have to count down again to get the pyro to happen. Uh, and so, yeah, like like it, it was an inauspicious start to the show. Uh, but really, like. You know, other than there were there were some instances where the where the feed would cut out for like a half a second and we'd see a black screen um, and, uh, and and stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, I think they got a lot of their kinks out in this in this WGN version of, of the first hour of the preview show. Uh, the, the one thing that's pretty noticeable to me is now I don't watch any WGN TV, so I don't know if this is normal. But they didn't really have commercials like they didn't have real commercials that you would see on cable TV like, you know, any major brands. So half of the commercial break was basically uh, pro wrestling tees commercials. So you, you would see was jo- it just a buy. So the, and the, yeah, and that's was what that, buy? and that's what I don't that's what I don't know. That's the part that I don't know. And so yeah, I think it's a time buy then. 
so you saw like uh, you saw like pro wrestling tees commercials with Joey Ryan, which was interesting because we he we didn't know he was going to be on the show, um, and he did come in as a surprise. And then there was like a commercial with the Bucks where they were just simply plugging their T-shirt website. And Marty was Marty Skrull was saying, "No, you got to plug ProWrestlingTees.com, not just your Young Bucks section of Pro Wrestling Tees." And then there was another one with Adam Page, and so I didn't know, like, okay, does this mean that they couldn't actually sell advertising for this hour, and thus it was all Pro Wrestling Tees, or was that part of the plan, or whatever? Like, so I, I, that's the part that I didn't know. Uh, but it, it came off like a, I don't know, a little janky, I would say. Uh, and, and, you know, I, you know, maybe no one cares about that, but like, I was like thinking like, okay, if I was watching the USA channel right now and WWE was on doing like a one hour preview show, like there would be real commercials on there. There wouldn't just be these, like these, uh, these, these pro wrestling tease things with these guys. Now, maybe this was also a little bit of an audition and, you know, for this is what a being the elite TV show, you know, would look like for an hour. And, and you would have these pro wrestling tease commercials because, you know, you're really hitting that part of the fan base. And then that could have been it as well. But I, I just thought that was pretty interesting. It didn't look major league, even when it came to the advertisers. Um, and then, uh, and so they, they also had someone come in with the t-shirt cannon and, and just send out merch and stuff, which you would see, you know, at, you actually wouldn't see on TV, but you know, that happens all the time at basketball games and stuff just to keep fans interested. So, uh, so that was like the first segment of the show. And then they went into the SoCal Uncensored and the Briscoes. Now, uh, the first two matches were on the WGN zero hour show. SoCal Uncensored versus the Briscoes was actually a better opener than the opener that was on the pay-per-view, which was uh, MJF and, and Matt Cross. And, like, you know, I, don't, I didn't have a problem with that match, but this match was just hotter. And I almost wonder if they should have flip-flopped it and had this this match open up the pay-per-view because I think that would have helped the pay-per-view uh, a lot more. And, you know, MJF and, and Matt Cross, maybe maybe you don't get as many casuals kind of peeking in. Maybe there's people who are like oh like i i know these briscoe guys they're they're kind of interesting looking uh, and i'm gonna sit here and watch i mean that that could possibly be it as well but this was a pretty fun match you know there it was just all action what you'd imagine an opening match on this kind of show to be you know the just boom 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 spot 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 um the uh the the uh scorpio sky did this really this really incredible dive out out to the floor he, it was almost like a base, a basketball jump stop. Like he didn't like hit the ropes and then just run and in his run start the dive. Like he almost like he ran and then he kind of jumped off of two feet, planted his feet in the ring and then dove over the top, which was I thought was more impressive because that's actually harder to do than you know take sort of like a running leap out to the floor. That guy's freaking uh athletic as hell I, d- I didn't realize he was that athletic yeah scorpius guys he's always been pretty good always been one of the better talents at socal so um it's cool that he's it took him a long time to get to taro h and stuff he, he's been you know doing a lot on the southern california scene he doesn't i think he's done like a couple of ma fights maybe one or two as well so yeah, I'm a pretty cool seeing him in ROH and, and doing really well. 
Yeah, no, I, I was, I was, I was just amazed at the athleticism, and it, it was, it was just a cool thing. And so um, the other thing was, so these guys came out in boxing robes and like boxing trunks. They weren't really boxing trunks, but they were that their trunks were made to sort of resemble boxing trunks, but they were specific boxing trunks. And it was um, Apollo Creed's robe and boxing trunks from the first Rocky, and then. Kazarian had on uh, Rocky Balboa's robe and trunks from the second Rocky. So I don't know if they like screwed it up and just wh- whatever, but the, they, you know, it's from both of the <laughs> movies. Uh, so, you know, Scorpio Sky was wearing the, the red, white and the blue. And then Kazarian was wearing the, uh, the, the black and the yellow. And uh, Don, Cal- Don, Don Callis said that Scorpio Sky was wearing Clubber Lang's trunk, so I had to tweet at him to to correct him, but he he never he never got back to me. No one wanted to be Tommy Gun. Tommy the Machine Gun. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky Five, come on, street fight. Yeah, man, he 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 whooped up Union Kane. Oh man. <laughs> So, uh, so actually, the finish was actually pretty cool because uh, the Briscoes were going to do their like doomsday device setup, and so uh, Mark Mark uh, jumps off the top rope. Kazarian actually catches him and power slams him to the mat from Jay's shoulders, and he pins yeah, and, and so he, basically and, basically like what the Steiners would do. Yeah, exactly. That was like one of their one of the Rick Steiner would catch the guy and do a power slam. And then oh, was it clean? Did it come off clean? Yeah, no, time? it looked great. And then uh, Scorpio oh, Sky cool. hit a hit a running Kenny Omega V trigger to to keep Jay away from from the pin, and so they won the match. Like I said, like it was just a fun, all action, you know, crazy crazy kind of match that that those two teams can do in their sleep. But really good way to get the pay per view started. I, I I wish you were here for or here to watch the Kenny Omega interview. Because it was so like kind of goofy inside WWE kind of thing. But I, the thing I don't understand is where they did the interview, it looked like just some random room and they didn't try to pretend like it was actually like a, a studio or anything. It was just like a, it almost looked like a bathroom or something. And so. Omega's in, and I, I apologize because I don't know the interviewer's name. Um, but Omega like asks her, he's like, "Why, why are you in flip flops?" And she goes, "Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's so that you look taller." <laughs> and so I was like, "Uh oh, here, this is, this is like the Stephanie McMahon, you know, wearing high heels to make all the wrestlers look small kind of joke." And then uh, the other thing is, like, there was, like, a weird echo. So that's why I thought it was, like, a bathroom because you could hear the echoing of, of them talking. So not not great production, but maybe sort of meant to be like that since this is an indie show. Um, and then uh, and then so she th- – so so Kenny's like, no, 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 we're, we're, we don't have to do that stuff here. Like, we don't need to fake, you know, fake that here. And so then she goes, okay. And then she goes, oh, but then why are you on your tiptoes? <laughs> And he's like, "Oh, I'm just getting just need a good calf pump." So you know, it's it's Omega being goofy and silly. You know, a lot of the stuff that people who are not fans of his will point to and go, "See, like he's like ruining the business and he's making fun of stuff and he's not keeping it kayfabe." 
but then the inside the people who love that stuff are like ah oh, this is why omega's the best so it, it was so funny because i'm like he's playing like both sides of that of of, of his fan of the fan bases i thought it was hilarious um but then uh the over budget battle royal came along and i will say that you know most battle royals really suck but this was actually really fun like it was booked it was booked really well um Almost like how, like if like like the Royal Rumble in, in in the years that it's really good is booked pretty meticulously about you know who they want to showcase, and I feel like they were able to showcase just about everybody. Now there were fifteen guys, uh, you know, some of them had like small spots here and there, but uh, but it was it was it was cool to see who who they were you know trying to trying to highlight. Um, so there's a, there's a guy named Marco Stunt. You have to tell me about this guy cause I know nothing about him. I mean, I don't really know too much about him other than, uh, he's like, just a couple weeks ago he got over big on the internet from, I think he worked at Joey Janelle's show in like Lawson, New York or some kind of show like that and got over pretty big. He's like, he's really short, really small, you know, but, uh, he seems pretty exciting and, uh, uh, from the highlights I've seen him, he looks like a pretty talented guy. So, uh, and he just blushed out blowing up. His social media blew up and everything. So, and then next you know, he was booked on all in. So, you know, good on him and, uh, taking advantage of his, uh, his newfound popularity. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm like, sounds like an exciting guy. Would, would you like, did you like him? Were you impressed? I, it was hard because he was like, the gimmick guy in the match. Cause he's only like five feet. He, he looked like he was like five feet tall or five one. Like he looked mm-hmm. like, like he looked smaller than or shorter than Rey Mysterio. Um, and so I didn't know what to make of him. I was like, Oh, this must be that Marco guy. And uh, you know, the whole, the, his whole thing was like standing tall next to these big dudes. Uh, but I mean, he, he, he was fine. They highlighted him. They, you know, they sort of allowed him to get over a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. the best friends were in this match together. Uh, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Chucky Taylor fan, but, um, you know, they, they have their own fan base, which seems to love them. The, uh, the, uh, Punishment Martinez actually looked really good in this match until he had to sell for, uh, uh, who's the woman, um, Jordan Grace, Jordan Grace. Yeah. He had to sell a lot for her as did Brian Cage. Uh, but but punishment Martinez looked looked you know he he looked like a star in there until then. Um, him and Cage had a nice little uh, nice little thing back and forth, which led to who was going to get the choke slam. So they just kept goozling each other, like seeing who was going to get the choke slam, and then which led to the hurricane choke slamming both of them. So you know he he got he got his thing in. Um, did you know that Billy Gunn's son wrestles? Yeah, I saw. Um, actually, I'm uh, I've been friends with Billy Gunn on Facebook, and I remember seeing him post a picture of him, him and his son, and it said his son just wrestled. So that was that's pretty cool. So his son I think he wrestled with his son in a tag match. So his son's in this match. His son's got pretty good size, not as big as his dad though, because his dad is like freakishly big. Uh, but oh he, yeah, he was huge. I mean, I worked a match with him. I mean, I didn't wrestle him. I was you know the manager outside. But uh, I, mean, I just remember like we actually picked him up at the airport. Him and Road Dog, <laughs> and we had to, and we went to Denny's like before the show. And this was in Bakersfield, 
and this is 2000, 2006. And um, we're sitting there. I just remember, like, he was at the head of the table, and, like, he was so wide, like, I couldn't see the front door. <laughs> like, like, he just, he was this huge, he had this huge plate of eggs, and he was, uh, he was a really cool guy. I was a really cool guy, and I was kind of nervous, you know, about, you know, I don't, you know, I'm knowing, I didn't know him, I didn't know how he was going to be. Yeah. And I just remember him being, he was just, like, super, super cool, road dog, super freaking cool, man. That was, like, one of my favorite experiences uh, in wrestling, not just because, like, you're working with, like, stars, right? But yeah. Just, like, just. Just the whole veteran vibe and how they're like, you know, teaching us stuff and and really want us to get over, you know, like they're there to put us over to make us look good. Just totally pro, total pros. I remember like you're gonna laugh at this one, but I remember like I was really nervous because I really wanted to do well, and then uh, I remember I had to take the famous sir, yeah, I'm really good. And so I was like, I asked him like, where do I, like I'm like. I'm off, I'm off, sir. <laughs> you know, sir. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? And he's like, sir, don't call me, sir. You know, like, he's like, I hate that crap, right? And then, uh, and I was like, I just want to know, like, what position you need me. I know, I know I can bend over, but like, you know, I need on this side or right side or left side. And he's like, he's like, wait, you didn't know how to fall, right? <laughs> 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 like, give me crap. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I just want to make sure on the right side. So, you know, he goes, oh, yeah, no, make sure you're on this side, you know. And uh, it was just really cool. And and, uh, and I remember, you know, afterwards, we were leaving. And I said, you know, I said, hey, it was nice to meet you. and nice to work with you. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Thank you so much. And he's like, he just grabbed me and he got like a big hug. He's like, you know, you're a really good kid. And I just remember that. And then, uh, so that was like one of my favorite experiences when I was doing the magic, man, manager thing back in uh, 2005 to 2008. So, yeah. So I, I, love, I love Billy Gunn. He's, he's a good guy. So how how'd you take it? I was on the uh, his right leg, so on the right side, or the left side, or whatever. So I should put left shoulder facing him. So yeah, light, as, no, I took it good. light as a feather. I didn't feel anything. Oh, good. What, what about Road Dog? Road Dog's fantastic. First of all, it was hilarious. This is the time when Jason Debtors gave Ramirez a book in APW, and they can't book with the shit. <laughs> and uh like nothing they did nothing they did make sense it was it was always a cluster like every show like just the booking was so wacky tobacky and uh i mean literally we've, we've had booking meetings where like the fans aren't gonna get it but it'll be great like that's like, oh, her, her, i'm like i'm like oh wonderful <laughs> this just totally confused the fans but anyway so the booking of the night was it was uh it was the uh, new versus ego team i managed which was uh nathan rules and aj kirsch and um and we're the tag champions and they and we we're gonna do a dusty finish actually where the road dog and then win and then of course ties it back to us and wrap up all this bullshit and so <laughs> road dog comes to us like in the locker room and goes listen i told the bookers we ain't doing this shit and go we're only here for this one show you guys are here all the time we're putting you guys over <laughs> right nice and i was like I was like, all right. <laughs> and so basically the finish was like the whole Ultimate Warrior, um, Ultimate Warrior, uh, Rick Rude, WrestleMania 5, right? I hold the leg down. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, run away, get backed up, but do the whole R. Anderson, you know, I run back, my, my back is turned to Road Dog. I go into Road Dog, I feel up, I feel like, oh, shoot, it's not my guy, right? Yep, I turn yep. around, punch to the, or kick to the gut by Road Dog, and then, uh, 
the famous certified Billy Gunn. All all great, all easy, all light, all fun. And uh, that was a just hilarious show. That was just a hilarious show because like Tom Caster, who's the referee for NXT, um, he was the referee for that match as well. So like, <laughs> like you know, they had a really good fun interaction and, and stuff with Road Dog. And I remember, and I remember like. I was getting pissed, you know, the, the baby faces were shining and I was getting pissed and I'm like, yeah, you know, the manager like complaining and stomping and crying and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm a referee. You better find him. Damn it. <laughs> like Bill Watts would have find his ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like road dog looks like he just starts laughing. Like what the heck? You know, we just, we all just had a good time. It was, it was, it was one of the most positive experiences I've had uh, wrestling. So. R- road, dog, road dog's like much bigger than you would think he is too right and it's huge yeah he's huge yeah and he's hella cool he's a hella cool guy and and uh he kind of took he took a liking to me because I, I like i asked him about his dad you know how his dad was doing because i was like i'm a big you know blue bob armstrong fan i'm a big armstrong fan of that like i love all the armstrongs and one of my favorite wrestling families and then uh, i was just asking about his dad because and he's like he's like really like like, you know, no one ever asked him about his dad, right? Unless you're like, unless he's wrestling like in that area or something yeah. like that in, in Alabama or whatnot. But like, but like, you know, I was like, he's like, wow, some kid in California is like asking my dad. So kind of won some points with him. I wasn't trying to win points. I was just curious because like, you know, like, you know, was up there in age at the time too. And then I was just, just wanted to check in and see how he's doing. And uh, he really appreciated that. And they're really cool. Those, the, the true pros. So. I, w- I would have asked Road Dog if he could sing a couple bars from uh, "With My Baby Tonight." I just remember too. <laughs> I don't know. We got to talk about all in, but I just remember <laughs> was doing, was doing like push-ups, like in the locker room, like he's just doing. You know, get ready, get a pump on. You know, mm-hmm, getting ready for mm-hmm. the match. And Road Dog goes, "Ah, oh, shit." Man, you're gonna go out there and take this really this serious, huh? <laughs> like you just came crap. <laughs> it was just fun, you know. It was like it was cool because, like, you know, since we're the match together, we kind of all stuck together, right? So, like, we had our own like not our own locker room, but just our own little corner of the of the area, and like, kind of no one really bothered us, and it was just like us kind of all kind of grouping, like, you know, meeting up, and then Billy Gunn really liked, um, you know, he was in the match that Victor, uh, my friend Kafu. Um, they really got along because they had like a lot of the same interests and dogs and trucks and all this cool stuff. So they they got along. So like they they really enjoyed their experience at APW. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. So, um, all right. So so we can get back to to, to Billy Gunn's son, <laughs> but Billy, yeah. B- <laughs> Billy Gunn, Road Dog, really good guys. Even if uh, sometimes I don't understand uh, Road Dog's booking on SmackDown, but. Um, that's cool. No, I, I like hearing I like hearing stuff about those guys because you always wonder, you know, you, you wonder how how they would be with with uh, you know we, we've heard stories of the opposite, uh, so you, it's it's cool that they were cool. Um, so so the the reason I was talking about his son is because uh, Jimmy Jacobs was dressed in a corset and he had like some mm-hmm. like skirt on, but it, I don't know exactly how to describe it. Um, and so he and, he and, uh, Billy Gunson Austin kind of went back at each other and they were like trading suckets together. And so then, right, J- Jimmy Jacobs is going to do something to Billy Gunn's son. And so Billy Gunn saves his son. And then Jake, Jacobs just like mouth kisses this guy for like 10 seconds. 
and just it was kind of awkward because it was so long. And then uh, Billy Gunn pulls his head away, and then he says, "Suck this, bitch!" And then he just throws him out of the ring. Like it was like, man, you guys, this is this is not the pay per view part of this show. Um, yeah. And so what what I thought was the final four of of the match was Jordan Grace, Brian Cage, Bully Ray, and Cabana. And so Grace and, and Cage are working together. And so she puts Cage on her shoulders and was is going to do like a squat with him on her back. And she gets down. And now I don't, I'm not sure if this was supposed to be like this or not, but she gets like into the squat position. She's trying to get back up to, you know, to, to straighten her legs. And she kind of stumbles a bit. Um, and, and Cage quickly... Uh, you know, he, he made it look fine. If it was a mistake, he, he made it look really good because he was thinking on his feet and it quickly did something. But he had to get tossed by her. So um, so he's out. And then uh, and, and then she and Cabana do the uh, the what's up, the Dudley Boys what's up headbutt to right to Bully's balls. Of course, she's the one, you know, lead, leading with her head on Bully's uh, Bully's balls. And so she tries to toss Bully out, but this is like um, the the our, uh, the Alberto Del Rio and Santino Morella Royal Rumble, where Santino's like ready to throw Del Rio out, and he's like like he's gonna finally win, and then Del Rio like reverses the Irish whip and throws him out. So that's what they did here. So Cabana or Bully throws her out. It's down to Bully and Colt Cabana. Bully tosses Colt out, and so he he wins the match. Except there was this guy in a mask in the very beginning of the match who Bully attacks and puts through a table. He he didn't even go up for the powerbomb the first time. So he has to like get him up again and he just slams him through the table and then he just like leaves him for dead. And so I totally forget that this guy's even in the match. And uh his name is El Hijo del Chico. And he comes in the into the ring, tosses out Bully, unmasks, flip Gordon. So Flip did get booked on All In. He's going to face Jay Lethal, the ROH champion, later in the show. And uh, and so that's how your over-the-budget battle royal goes uh, goes off, and, and, and now the pay-per-view is about to start. Now, here's where I complain about ROH and their terrible, like, technical aspects of everything that they do. Like... I have so many issues with uh, Honor Club. Um, I know that they've had lots of terrible feedback in the past from when they were doing the the pay-per-views through their websites back in the day. Remember, like, uh, Jim Cornette, you know, they, they he, he would, you know, hype these shows for, for internet pay-per-view, and then you would hear that, you know, oh, the, the, th- the, sh- the thing went down, like, halfway through the show, and... And people would ask for refunds and stuff when Cornette was running ROH. Like, I have ROH Honor Club on the Apple TV, ready to go. The thing is on, like, I put the thing on like an hour before the show starts. So that, you know, once I flip it over and 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 it'll see that, you know, I've tried to play it or, or that I'm in the right feed uh, so it doesn't screw me up. And I turn over at 4 o'clock and it doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, great. What, what's going on here? So I kind of play with it a little bit. Now it's past 4 o'clock. I'm like, okay, I should have a picture by now. So I uh, kick out of it and go back into it. And all of a sudden, I just get this error that says service unavailable. 
Like, can you imagine the people who paid 10 bucks for Honor Club simply to watch this show and then see the service unavailable thing? Now, I'm not, I, I have no idea if tons, if this happened to tons of people, uh, but like, even if it happens to one person, right? You feel like you just got ripped off. And, uh, and I heard uh, that Fight TV was having issues with the streaming as well. So it's just like, come on, guys. Like, if you, uh, you know, if you, if you are doing all of these things and, and you know, outside of standard pay-per-view, like, you got to make sure that they work because if they don't work, it just looks so Mickey Mouse. Now, thankfully, we were able to cut over to the, uh, to the cable and, and order it on pay-per-view so we didn't miss anything. But it almost feels like a bait and, bait and switch in a sense where you're just like, you know, oh, for only for $10, you can watch this thing and, you know, subscribe for a month. And it's like, oh, cool. That sounds like a great deal. And I'm going to do it. And then you do it. And it doesn't work. It just feels like, oh, God, I feel like such an idiot for expecting this, expecting ROH's Honor Club to come through and, and work properly. I was just so frustrated. Yeah, I wasn't shocked at all. I remember, I remember telling you, like, <laughs> I'm surprised you even started with this one first. So glad we switched over. I think we tried DirecTV first, and it like, wasn't on there. Yeah, we and, couldn't find it. Yeah. Yeah, and then I heard the, I saw someone post on Facebook saying, oh, man, it sucks. DirecTV doesn't have it all in, so I don't yeah. think he made it on DirecTV. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Um, I also heard that um, people were putting it like like you could find a stream fairly easily if you wanted to through like Facebook groups. Like there were Facebook groups created, and I don't know if they were like uh, shoot like shooting it with their iPhone or something. But you were you know you were able to get some pretty decent streams that way. Um, I, I I don't know I I don't ever feel like compelled enough to to watch anything that way. It just feels like. I don't know. I I would just rather watch it in a good form than on like a shot through the iPhone on my computer kind of way. But I guess, you know, that's how some people watch the show. But yeah, you know, I, I also, you know, there's some there's sort of a thing where you're like, hey, I kind of want to support these guys. You know, they're doing this big this big project and you hope it works out and it's really hard. And they're kind of, you know, they're they're the David in the David versus Goliath of WWE and you know, you just want to support them. So that's the other thing. Now, you know, how, however other people did it, I'm not, I'm not going to judge them, but you know, I wanted to make sure that, that they got, you know, whatever, whatever they had coming with, with this big show. So we did get it on pay-per-view. Um, I'm going to kind of skip through some of these early matches because I wasn't too intrigued by them. Um, but like I already said, uh, the MJF versus Matt Cross match, it was just like, whatever. Like you, you had a major problem with the psychology of this match. You and, uh, Dave Dutcher, who we were kind of going back and forth in, in Twitter DMs with you guys, you guys were talking about like the psychology and what was going wrong here. Yeah, this match was just, I don't know, I, they should have just been in the over budget by Royal. I wouldn't have opened with this match. It just wasn't just, I mean, I like, I think MJF has a lot of charisma. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a star someday. Yeah. I just have that feeling about him. Matt Cross is Matt Cross. I mean, he's talented. He, you know, he's a great flyer, but I just doesn't have much charisma, you know? So, and I think this is like the, you know, the, the match to open the show and, warm the crowd up, but it's like they already had that earlier, like you said, in the tag match. So 
uh, it just didn't seem like it was needed. Um, and, uh, yeah, the psychology the you know, MJF is working on, uh, Matt Cross's, uh, arm. And later on, he does a, you know, a handspring elbow into the elbow in the corner with the bad arm. And, eh, you know, just whatever, just whatever it was, it was just there. So the second match was, um, uh, and actually Matt, Matt Cross won the match. Uh, the second match was Stephen Amell and Christopher Daniels. Now, Stephen Amell is actually on the poster for All In. Like, there's like it's the, it's Omega, it's the Bucks, it's Cody, and then it's Stephen Amell. Like he was pushed very strongly on this show, and so you know he's with Christopher Daniels, probably the the best guy for him to be with when it comes to someone. Like Amel, who doesn't have much experience in the ring, you know Daniels is a, a veteran. Um, he is kind of a daredevil, though. So you know there 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 is that. But you know, out, out of mo- out of all the guys, you know, you caught you probably could have had a, a few guys, but D- Daniels is a really good pick. Uh, did you know the Josh Cigara guy who came out with Stephen Amel? Yeah, he's on uh, Orange New Black this season currently. And he's also was on a show about some paramedics in the USA Network as a comedy. I forget what it's called. Jeez, uh, it was a pretty funny show, and he had a, he had a funny character. But uh, and I guess he's also yeah, like he, on Arrow with uh, Amel. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like I mean, I used to watch Arrow pretty regularly for the first four seasons. Just once my kids were born and stuff, you know how that goes. Uh, just. TV watching, it's like you can't watch everything, and I fell I fell way behind on that show. So he must have came in after after I watched, you know, season I watched. So, so he, um, I don't so, know what character he plays. So he came out with Amel, um, and uh, none of disappeared. the yeah disappeared. <laughs> none none of the uh, other SoCal guys came out w- with Daniels. Um, I thought this was like I, it's not that I expected this to be good because no, they came out too and they disappeared too. Oh, did they come out? I, I guess I didn't realize they came out. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the match in of itself, uh, I, I didn't. Ex- I don't. I don't think I expected it to be good, but it like you could tell uh, Amel was tired. You could tell he was like thinking of okay, what am I supposed to do next? Um, mm-hmm. and, and Daniels was trying, but I could tell it was also kind of screwing with Daniels a little bit. Like he's pretty smooth on, on things. And like, he was like stumbling around a little bit. Um, and there was some goofy stuff like Daniels ends up on a table just randomly after he gets uh, tossed off the top rope and onto the side of the apron. And he just kind of wobbles over and lays on the table. Like there was goofy stuff the like that. Laugh. Yeah, yeah, and it's not taken seriously. Like you know, John Mayer's in the front row and then just just having a good time laughing. He was probably like, "Huh, this is what wrestling is about." Um, that was kind of cool that John Mayer was in the crowd, though. I I I, I never expected him to be a wrestling fan. I think I have to check out his uh, his Instagram stories later tonight to see if he liked it or not. Um, He's probably looking for uh, some women wrestlers to hook up with. He could have. There was some really pretty women uh, working today. He could have had his pick. Is he like a known womanizer, right? Is he like a known womanizer? So he's probably out there. I'm gonna get myself a woman wrestler tonight. Probably. I'm a singer song. And, you know, I, I mean, he, uh, he's 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 had a who's who of uh, 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 very attractive women uh, who were in you know who were 
involved with him, according to the gossip rags and stuff. I think it was, um, I think Your Body is a Wonderland is written about Jennifer Love Hewitt, I think. Um, Makes sense. uh, I think uh, he was with Jessica Simpson and and once said that uh, she was like sexual napalm. Um, And then he dated Taylor Swift when she was like super young. And then she had a song after they broke up called Dear John. And then he clapped back at her by calling her a paper doll in another song. So, yeah. So, yeah, like mayor, you know, mayor's mayor's, you know, dated a who's who of people. So he, you know, I hopefully he didn't he didn't uh, hit on anybody who has a significant other. But, yeah, I mean, he I mean, he, he he's the most he was the biggest celebrity in the building. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I thought the I thought the match was was yeah, I was kind of disappointed in this match. Actually, I thought for sure it'd be a little better. I mean, I, I mean, granted, I mean Stephen Amell, this is like his third wrestling match ever, and and uh, but you know, usually with celebrities, you know, they kind of can the match. Yeah, I don't know how long uh, them two worked it out and how long they practiced together, and but. Uh, or, you know, Melka just had a, a complete adrenaline dump, you know? Like, he, he just, like, looked like he got put, blown up pretty fast. I think he might have gotten lost a few times, I saw. I mean, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of things could happen in that match that we really don't know. Maybe Amel got a little banged up, a little, you know, a little rattled. Who knows? But uh, it just, it was, it was just, it was just kind of, kind of a mess. It's probably the worst match on the show and you can't expect that with the guy that's just not a real pro wrestler. Um, he took that crazy bump to the table. That, yeah. was, that was pretty nuts. It was like ribs and, uh, ribs first through the table. Yeah, it was, that was nuts. And, uh, you know, Daniels went over, which is, you know, what I expected. And, you know, it was it was fine. I mean, Mel came out, he looked like a wrestler. She had a cool gear Everything. I, I was disappointed. I remember his match with... Uh, Cody at uh, SummerSlam a couple years back was I thought he looked pretty good in that match, you know. But I think it was a tag match or something. Yeah, like, that was built yeah. more for him to like shine and like a couple things. Shine exactly. Yeah, so I think doing the whole singles matches is is, is pretty tough, you know, for him. Uh, they you know they also had Jerry Lynn in this match as the referee. Which was which is smart because he can call out stuff, you right? Know, help out too, and, and he and Daniels were. Uh, arguing a little bit, which made you kind of wonder, like, oh, like maybe maybe Jerry Lynn, like you know, causes Daniels to lose. But nope, that the, that mm-hmm. didn't happen. Um, and and Christopher Daniels hit, hits his moonsault and, and won, and they shook hands after the match. Uh, the the women four way was a match that live people were saying they gave a standing ovation to, and um, watching it on TV. I sort of get it, but I don't think this match was especially, especially good. I thought it was uh, really fun in certain instances and really sloppy in, in others, which, you know, it's a four-way. A lot, a lot of times that happens in a four-way. Uh, but I thought the coolest part was uh, when Tessa comes out, she's got Magnum TA and her dad, Tully, uh, stepdad and her dad, uh, you know, in, in in the aisle with her as as she goes down the road. I thought that was like a really really nice touch, and you know that that's part of what the show is about because you also saw it in the match after with Cody and and Nick Aldis, which we'll talk about in, in a bit. But you know, there were little small touches 
that were so well done that, um, you know, WWE doesn't really get a lot of times like they, they don't or that they just don't care about. Like you could tell for like Cody, uh, you know, I, I imagine this this was related to him because like, you know, he, he's got the. He, 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 his dad was a big part of sort of his inspiration for this match. And, you know, T.A. And, and, and Tully were, were very, you know, close to his dad's career, too. So this felt like a Cody touch to me. I don't know if it was or not. But just seeing her and then both of her, her, her the male influences in her life basically going like, you know, go. like And they didn't overshadow her either, which was cool. Because you could have had them come down to the ring with her. T.A. is in a wheelchair. You know, you he could he could sort of like gain sympathy immediately, but no, like they just they showed him, they sort of stayed where they were. She went into the ring to to do the match. I thought that was kind of perfect the way that they did that. Yeah, this match was a mixture of everything. Like it was good in parts, great in parts, bad in parts. It just kind of like this match probably went a little too long. I think um, probably went about. Three or four minutes too long, and like so far, this whole show was like that a lot of times. Like the first match, the NJF and Matt Cross thought it went a little too long. Um, I even thought the Stephen Mel Chris Daniels match went a little too long, and here's this one as well. And just kind of got like you kind of got numb to it after a while. This match, um, I did like the touch with the uh, Madam TA and uh, Tully Blanchard with Tessa Blanchard. I thought that was cool. It was funny. They kind of redid it because like she gave him a hug. <laughs> <laughs> gave hugs to both of them, came down, and they kind of redid it. So I, I don't know if she missed her cue or they missed yeah, where, yeah. They're, you know, where they're supposed to be. It just that was very, just, just very, very, very awkward. And uh, she looked good. I mean, she looked, she looked really good. I thought she was a standout, followed by uh, Chelsea. I think Chelsea's Chelsea's pretty damn good. I'm surprised. I mean, I don't know. I'm surprised she's not in WWE right now. You know, so yeah, no, she definitely um, has like a, a big time presence. Same thing, same, same with Tessa Blanchard. The the uh they they were they they were definitely the stars in the match. Uh I think you you said it early on, you were like, you know, if it should be a singles match with, with them two uh, wrestling, it would have been better. I, I agree. I think it would have been better too. What did you think of like I mean, you know, we've seen Madison Rain before, but I'd never seen Britt Baker before, and that's Adam Cole's girlfriend. Um I did you did, did she stand out in any way to you? Like I can't even remember. I think I remember like one of the major spots she was in, but she was kind of like a little bit in the background to me. Um, no, she didn't really stand out that much to me at all. Um, the only thing is I do remember her like when she almost broke up the count for the yeah. <laughs> for the pin, and <laughs> the then end. and people thought that she did. So when the pin happened, it kind of fell flat, but. Uh, but uh, that's the only thing I kind of remember her doing. Um, Chelsea, you know, she's she has that character down, that crazy bridesmaid, the the uh, hot the hot mess, bride, the hot mess character down. I mean, that's kind of what this match was to me was like a hot mess. Like there was some really hot yeah. stuff, and there was some really messy stuff. So so Tessa wins with a hammerlock DDT, and it looked like uh, the two two of the women who were not being uh, who were not in the match at that time. So so she does it to Chelsea Green. And the other two women come to break it up, and they actually do touch um, touch Tessa, but nothing happens. And then I th- we thought that it was going to get broken up, but no, referee goes, nope, it's a pinfall, match is over. So you were talking about time in, in, in this show, and I'll, I'll give you the times here according to Wikipedia. So the Matt Cross and MJF match was uh, just over nine minutes. 
the Daniels and the uh, the women's four way match. Both of those were over twelve and a half minutes. Um, and then uh, the Cody match for the for the NWA title was twenty two. The Hangman Page match was twenty. Uh, Jay Lethal and Flip Gordon was fourteen. Um, and then Omega's match with Penta was almost eighteen. And get this one. Okada and Marty Skrull, 26 minutes. And then yeah, uh, yeah. and then the main event only had a little bit less than 12 minutes, uh, the the elite, the golden elite versus Mysterio, Phoenix, and Bandito. So, yeah, I, I think you could have shaved off time from, from all of those first three matches. The Cody thing, I, I think, worked at the time, but there were there were long stretches of, of nothing going on in that match, too, just to kind of you know, tell story. Um, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't a big fan of the, the page and, and Janela match. So I would have been fine with them, you know, pulling five minutes off of that. But the other matches I thought were timed correctly. I mean, I, I think most people were like, yeah, that Okada match went way over, but it was like the last 10 minutes of that match, which was really good. So maybe if you cut a lot of the early stuff, you could, you could take time off of it. But yeah, it was really mostly the, the first half of the show. It felt like that's where you could have shaved time to save, you know, a good five to 10 more minutes for that, for that six man. Yeah. I mean, timing of the show is very important. A lot of people don't do it or understand it. And, um, and this show fell victim to it because, they were rushing to finish that main event because they had to be off by eight o'clock and, and, and there's a clear audible in that main event of giving you times, how much time they have to go till they have to go home. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, there's this, you know, this match here, thought they could have shaved off time. Like I said, they each could have left off the and MJF and Matt cross off the, off the show. Save time there. That's nine minutes you're saving there. Um, but then, you know, given given time, so like Cody, all this Pentagon, Omega, and um, and, and Okada and Scroll. I think that that's fine. That, those, those those are your main matches. So, but yeah, it's uh, timing of shows very important. It's, it's it's hard to do. Um, I have like a formula that I normally do. I kind of like give a little extra time. Like you know, just you give extra time to kind of like back up, but then like things happen on you sometimes like intermission going longer and all this stupid stuff that happens. But at premiere, like I remember I was doing premiere, like I'd, I'd hit my mark like every time, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, I like a little, of course, a little more control. Yeah. You didn't, ha- premiere, you, didn't have so. to, you didn't have to worry about Matt Hardy signing autographs at the intermission. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really, I, mean, I really stressed. Like I really wanted it to be two, two hours, two and a half hours. I kept going like a little longer later, but but I, but I made sure I didn't want to go over like three hours or something stupid like that. You know. So when you I want when people you, to enjoy themselves, when you time a show, you know, are uh, do you actually choose the match order first, or do you have an idea in your head? about okay first match i kind of wanted to go this second match this third match this without even knowing what those matches are yet no no the match order like i'll get a match order and then i'll i'll allocate the times that i need you know to which matches you know some some matches just don't need too much time you know some matches you know like i remember i'd give people six minutes like six minutes like you can have a good match in six minutes you know you can you know you're you understand your role. Everyone wants to go out there and have this bar burner, but like, 
that's not your role. You know, you got to leave the tie for the main event. You know, but you can't take away from the main event matches. So yeah, yeah. So uh, so we had Cody versus Nick Aldis, and this was really like they they really tried to present this as a actual like special world title match. You had Cody coming down the aisle with Brandy, DDP, Tommy Dreamer, Brandy's dad. I, I think Glacier was there. Uh, and then when Aldis came out, he had Jeff Jarrett with him. He had Daivari. He had the, the guy that he beat, the, uh, the former NWA champ, Tim Storm. And so they really tried to make it like this is like this is like the you know a real like special match you know we're we're taking this seriously. You had Earl Hebner as the referee, um, which scared me for a second. But uh, then you know the, the match was very straight. There was there was not there were there was no shenanigans involved. But uh, it really like for whatever reason like this is like a great trick because the fans sensed what they were trying to do and they were hotter for the beginning of this match than than they'd been for for just about anything on the show and the match hadn't even gotten in a ring yet so it was really cool to see and uh and yeah it was like a serious world title match and it came off as like this is a very important thing now my argument was that you're doing this great presentation for something that is super special and then it's like the fourth match on an on a nine match show or whatever. Like that was the only flaw I saw in in the plan. Uh, but you made a good point in that you know maybe the ROH title match had to be on later than than the NWA title match. We don't we don't know, but you know it could be something like that. Like there could be there were, there were other reasons why this match was in, in the middle of the show rather than than near the end. But outside of that small detail, um, I really really liked the presentation of this thing. Yeah, no, it was cool. The uh, walking out, the long entrances to the ring, um, their, their, their entourages surrounding them, um, just definitely gave it a, a really, really, really nice touch. And I, I think there's a lot of factors that, that came into play when they put this match on fourth. This is one, I think he, maybe Cody thought, like, we're not going to follow, like, Adam Page and Joey Janela doing all those crazy moves. Uh, who knows? There could be politics when it comes to ROH or like, hey, you know, this is the world title. You know, our world title should be higher than NWA, which NWA is really just really nothing right now than just, you know, Billy Corgan just doing a YouTube show. And then yeah. Booking is, you know, the champion is booked out here on some shows here. They film it, but they're not like a full on promotion anymore or anything like that, in my opinion. But they do a really cool job of they've been doing a great job of keeping the name out there. And I thought this was a great, great move by Billy Corgan to get this match set up. And, you know, I think everyone kind of like everyone, 10,400 people in that building all knew like Cody Rose is going to win the title. But, um, I saw some uh, footage, some cell phone footage of the finish and like the crowd was crazy, you know, huge pop for that title win. It was, it was, it was pretty loud. And uh, that was pretty cool. I thought the match was, was pretty good. Um, a lot of storytelling, which I like. Um, the part with, you know, Cody Rhodes is a big dive out, and, and, and Nick Aldis hits him with the forearm and the way down, and, and Cody starts right away. I'm like, okay, Cody's, Cody's going to give himself. He's going to bleed. This is the spot. But then it, it seemed like it took a long time. I don't know. I don't know what was going on, but I don't know if Cody didn't have the blade or lost it or what. But, you know, 
Dallas Page comes out, Davari comes out, Davari wants to throw the towel in or have the towel be thrown in for Cody, but then Diamond Dallas Page comes in, gives a diamond cutter. Now, all that was set up. It just looked set up. I don't believe it was like just something they called out a bowl on because Cody's having issues with the blade. Um, to me, it just that was just a setup for DC to get his moment, and the crowd liked it. And then uh, you know Cody's bleeding. My issue with the match is match was like okay, he comes up bloody and he gets in the ring, and that's the point. I thought there'd be more heat on Cody at this point. You know, I think I should have worked on the cut, put the boots to it, punches, whatever. But like Cody immediately. Soon after, got back on the offense. Yeah, he, he hit like a down he, he hit the he hit the uh, the the Randy Orton power slam like really quickly right after that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it was all. I mean, my opinion, it's just nitpicking. But like, you know, the crowd was there. You know, they're there to support Cody and the Bucks, and they they wanted this to happen. And like, you know, this NWA title hasn't felt this important in many, many, many moons. So like, they actually, you know, Cody Corgan did a great job, put it on a belt on Cody, and it's a great great. Great move by them, and curious to see what's going to happen. I still think the you know, never know. A new promotion might pop up with the uh, the NWA comes back, and then Cody's involved in it. So it's just going to be uh, interesting to watch this year. So there was one part of this match that you could say they got a little bit too in the weeds with their storytelling. So all this is on the top rope. He's gonna he's gonna do do an elbow on Cody. Brandy's protecting Cody, and so then Aldis like thinks that she's not there. Right when he jumps, she's there, and he basically hits her with an elbow to like her back, and and then uh, and so she she kind of like saves her man. Problem with that to me was that. Two matches later, she was back out with uh, with yeah, Flip Gordon, yeah. and so you know, little flaw there. Uh, but otherwise, like I, I didn't know, I didn't necessarily think it was a great match, but I thought it was a great story, and the crowd did too, because like you said, they were really, really appreciative of what they just saw. It was almost like um, their guy, right? It was like their guy who just won, just won this title that means so very much to him. And so that story like worked so well, and it was it, I, I was wondering like, you know, Aldis Aldis isn't really a part of this whole indie movement, you know. He he's he'd been in TNA for so long, and and uh, but I it worked, and and it, it, it was it was a good enough match, and and I thought he played his role really well, and that was like a real big moment, like like when people are telling me. Um, on social media that, you know, this was like a fantastic night for those who were there live. I think, you know, some of that is, is that match. Yeah. Um, so Joey Janela and Adam Page, I didn't like this that much. Uh, it was just really like lots of reckless street fight stuff, which, you know, totally cool. Um, there, there's a, there's a specific group of fans who I'm sure thought this was one of the best matches of the night. Um, not you know I, I thought it was you know a lot of times when when they do the the mindless stuff and really also like the other thing is like I I don't know there may be a storyline about them needing to do a street fight like there there may be something that they've done previously where you know they, it built to a street fight but I've never seen these guys wrestle each other before so to me it was just like oh we're just gonna put these guys in a garbage match because we can 
Um, uh, the, the, Joey's girlfriend, uh, Penelope Ford, she actually got some offense on page two, and I, I, I thought she was pretty hot. So that that I didn't mind it the offense as much, considering that uh, it, she was just on the screen a little bit more. Um, but they did some inside stuff. If you were a fan of being the elite, you would get this. Uh, she brought in a bag, and in the bag she pulled out uh, Joey's, or I'm sorry, Adam's uh, Paige's uh, boots. Who uh, in an episode of Being the Elite talked to him because they were the boots he was wearing when he killed Joey Ryan, um, and there was also a phone. I, th- I forgot who he conked in the head with the phone. He hit someone in the head with the phone and left them laying on one of the Being the Elites. And so those were in there. So like, if you were a fan of that show, like you probably laughed. And if you were not, you were like, well, I don't know, I have no idea what this, what this, any of this means. Um, and so uh, Paige won in a, like a ridiculous way, like off the top of a ladder through a table with the rite of passage. Uh, these guys like killed each other for, I, I mean, a, a good reason, but. It, it it just felt like a, just way over the top for me to even really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, we act, we basically made us our our bathroom break in a, in, a, in, a, in a way like like we just went. I remember we just kind of went and ate our snacks and talked about movies and, and watched <laughs> <them> like. <laughs> so I mean, I, I mean, I kind of judged her how good a match is sometimes when we're all watching because of what we're engaging and what we're not engaging, and basically we kind of checked out on this one. I mean, we watched it we watched it and we got the gist of it and we saw all the craziness, the big spots and, you know, making it a garbage match or street fight, whatever you want to call it. Like it, it fits for Joey Janela. That's his gimmick. You yeah, know, he yeah. takes these big bumps and same as that. And Paige and takes the crazy bumps too. Um, I hope everything, I hope they all came out okay in this match. Um, you know, uh, Joey Janela looked really thrashed from a lot of the, you know, the scary bump that last one, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, uh, hope he's okay. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, Stuff like this, I just you know, I just just hope they they come out with no injuries. But as a fan, it's not my style. Yeah, I mean, he had to go through another table earlier in the outside. Like the, the page, like threw him, and he was supposed to. I think because there were two tables right next to each other. I think he was supposed to go like in the middle of both of them. But he was almost short for the first one, so he landed awkwardly. And so, you know, he had to go through a table previously. Paige went through a table as well. Um, and and then so after the match, it was almost like The Undertaker was about to come out. And so instead of his druids, and instead these, uh, these, these druids came out, but they were um, dressed up as uh, blown-up penises. And so, uh, and so they they kind of led the way for for Joey Ryan to come back from the dead, and you know Ryan just did his entire shtick. Uh, you know he does the penis flip with uh, with Paige, and and uh, and then Paige uh, the druids the the penis druids uh, kind of carried Paige out to the back. So I can't imagine what those penis druids were going to do to Paige once they got him to the back. But uh, I hope they do not shoot that for being the elite. I'm sure it's going to be some more wacky storylines on that show. Um, yeah, I mean, it was what it was. I mean, like, again, I'm not, I'm not into this as well. Um, I did find it. I mean, when it's over, it felt like this was supposed to be, like, this big match for 
Adam Page, this big, and so like then this happened. So I felt like it kind of took away from whatever they're trying to accomplish with Adam Page. Then again, they might not thinking like I'm thinking. I'm thinking like, oh, you're gonna put this guy over, you're gonna make him a big star. And it's kind of like, oh, we're just gonna do this and have fun with this, and it's kind of funny because we just um, this is what we do on a TV show. So they're not thinking like me, but like you know, I, I just think it's kind of took away from that match. Like they just killed each other for however long that match was, and then. All I think all people remember is the the comedy, you know, of yeah. Billy Ryan coming out with these with these blown up penises, and I can't believe I just said that, but like, <laughs> it's, it's just, <laughs> you know, I think it kind of like, like I said, kind of took away from all the violence and 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 all the what Joey Janela did, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. People aren't talking about like these crazy blowups; they're talking about you know, big spot again and in front of ten thousand people. Yeah. Um, so th- the next match was Flip Gordon and Jay Lethal. Because he won the Battle Royal, he gets a shot at the ROH title. In the back, uh, someone handed Jay a, uh, a, a pair of sunglasses, the, the Macho Man sunglasses. And he was kind of conflicted because, you know, if he if he puts them on, then he kind of transforms or, you know, he, he did, is he supposed to be Macho Man tonight or is he supposed to be Jay Lethal? And I don't know, someone like punched him or something. Like he he like got conked in the head and then he automatically transformed into into Macho Man. So he comes out with um with Lanny Poffo. And Lanny Poffo's done stuff with the with the Young Bucks before. He's been in the some of the being the elite shows before. Um and the the best part uh, of the gimmick of of Randy Savage is uh, Brandy is out with Flip Gordon. And <laughs> Lethal Lethal sees Brandy in Flip's corner and he he jealously like grabs Brandy and pulls her to his corner. Like, you know, like what are you doing? Like, like almost like Flip Gordon was George Steele and Elizabeth was showing compassion for George Steele. And then like he like he he does that thing where Savage would like pick up Elizabeth's chin a little bit. And like I'm dying cuz it's like gosh, I haven't seen that in so long. And uh, it was so it, it was it was fun, you know. It, 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 he's so good at doing savage that it doesn't it you know it, it doesn't feel goofy to me. And I, and I think if it felt goofy to me, I would hate it. But because he's so good, I actually like it when he does it. Uh, but then he uh, uh, finally Brandy was like, you know what, you know, you need to stop this, and she slaps him in the head. And then he transforms back into Jay Lethal. So then he wrestles the rest of the match Jay Lethal. Though they did have a Savage, uh, either, and it was either a Savage Warrior or Savage Hogan moment where uh, Lethal gives Flip Gordon three Randy Savage elbow drops. Flip kicks out and he starts to Hulk up. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we were sort of trying to figure out, is this Hogan? Is this Warrior? Cause WrestleMania seven, I think, you know, he, he gave Warrior like, you know, five or six elbow drops and Warrior still kicks out. But then, you know, there's, there's a WrestleMania five match where, you know, Hogan kicks out of the elbow drop and hulks up and, and, and then, and then wins the match. So we were kind of, it maybe it's a combination of both, but that was fun. And, uh, and, and, and Lethal did hit the Lethal Injection to win the match, but, I was saying to you guys that in the matches that I've seen with Flip Gordon, uh, if he is with a, uh, a, a, a sort of like a veteran guy, I think he looks really good. And when he's not, uh, it sort of just looks like a spot match. And I really liked him in this match. I thought he was really good. Jay Lethal's, you know, one of the best guys uh, in ROH and, and was really good in this match. Uh, I, it was a really, really fun 
uh, well put together uh, ROH title match to me. I, I was really impressed with both guys. Now, you know, it wasn't one of the top two or three best matches of the night, but I think it kind of helped turn the show back to, you know, what was coming with these last three matches. Yeah, it was a overall good match. I kept like debating like to myself, like if I'm ROH, like do I want this to be basically overshadowed by the comedy, this good match, right? Flips performance, going for the title, or do I, do I take advantage of this, this, you know, big crowd and all these people tuning in to kind of like make a guy like flip, not, not necessarily beat lethal for the belt, but like put on this very dramatic performance and like, he's going to win the title and, he falls up short, but still gets over by losing. Like I thought it, that would have been a route they should have took because like, like I said, like they also got to think about their business too as well. And then, and, and use this opportunity to build for their business, future business, especially flip who they've invested in a contract with that's not exclusive with them. Um, but they, it's kind of was overshadowed about the, the, the Macho Man stuff to me, like the performance and, and you're right. Like flip is, it's going to be really, really good. And but right now, he needs someone that's going to carry him. And Jay Lethal's like he is one of the best in ROH, if not the best. And um, yeah, I thought the match was good. I mean, things picked up for me here. You know, I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought you know, I was entertained by the savage stuff. Like it's like yeah, it's like Lethal was he's just so good at it that you you cannot be you cannot be entertained by it. So he's just. Uh, you know, he's a true pro. I, I just kind of wish they would have took a serious role with this, but you know, this is also catering to the being elite crowd, right? Yeah. That watch the show and, and JD though does that character, the Macho Man character on that show. And so the crowd was into it. And I thought it was, it was good. Things were picking up here. Like I said, <clears throat> after the match, bully bully came down to attack flip. I think it was the last ROH pay-per-view uh, where they had a match or maybe the pay-per-view before that they had a match. Um, and so they're in a little bit of a feud. Um, Lanny tried to save uh, Flip, and Bully kind of backed off a little bit and just kicked him right in his uh, rumoredly large uh, manhood. And uh, Colt Cabana came down for the save, so it was a nice little pop for the Chicago kid, Cabana, to come down, and they all put Bully through a table. Um, it, it, very interesting that CM Punk was part of the uh, the meet-and-greet and, and signing yesterday, and uh, and Colts on this show today, and they're both sort of in litigation against each other. So that was kind of an interesting thing to think about. But uh, yeah, Colt got you know Colt kind of was the, the hometown hero here, uh, and and they put Bully through the table. Um, so last three matches: so Penta uh, Pentagon or Penta L Cero M as uh, or just Penta L Cero just based on what they called him. There's a few different things that they called him, and Kenny Omega. Um, the 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 lead up to this was uh, Omega. You know, thinking like after his crazy G1 that he was just going to get put in like a match. You know, like with Iano where he could just not really have to do anything and 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 just be on the show. And they were like, no, you know, don't worry. You don't have to be in the main event. We're in the main event, but uh, you're wrestling uh, Pentagon and, you know, you're in the semi-main. So <clears throat> he had to wrestle again against uh, someone who's really good. You know, the, I feel like a wrestling snob when I say this, but I liked this match. I thought it was really good, but I also thought like I saw like 15 matches that were better in the G1 
And so, like, that's not to say that this match wasn't good, but it was just like after you see Omega and these New Japan guys, uh, you know, the G1, you know, it was only a month ago that, you know, you're kind of, uh, I don't know, I guess I guess I felt, uh, I felt a little spoiled, I would say, because while this match was good, it wasn't as good as those, those matches in the G1, but... You know, uh, our our uh, our buddy Dave Dutra said that the thing that he liked about this match the most was just that Kenny had to to wrestle someone who who's in a different you know who wrestles a completely different style, which made it uh, very impressive to him. So there there's definitely that. But you know, I liked the match, but I also thought like they were like kind of being reckless with pile drivers and stuff, and and uh, and the pile drivers looked like not protected at all but i know that these guys do stuff like that in in these matches sometimes to make it look like that so i'm not exactly sure you know what was what but um but in the end kenny you know kenny did hit the one wing angel to win but yeah just you know sort of sort of interesting that had the finish at the end because of those pile drivers looked pretty dangerous i guess i would say yeah, this match was nuts. It was completely nuts. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised Pentagon and Omega had a good match. I know Dave Dutra was impressed by the uh, you know the clash of styles coming together, but reality is, I mean, Penta has worked all over the United States and mm-hmm. works these kind of matches all over with guys that like our Omega, you know. So, so I'm, I'm not I'm not shocked that they had they 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 had a great match. I mean, it, I mean, if you like the big big move. Kick out, big move, kick out style matches, which is you know the type of matches that are on the Indies these days, and people, you know, this is the match for you. And uh, like I said, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Um, that pile, package pile driver on the apron was looked nasty. I really thought uh, Omega was uh, shaken up pretty bad by it, um, but you know he seemed to be fine later on. But then I said. Omega hit his double arm pile driver. <laughs> My gosh, I thought he killed Pentagon. So. <laughs> I don't know if that was a receipt or what, or just just being reckless. But it, 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 it was it was pretty scary. I'm surprised those guys are walking. We'll be walking around good tomorrow. It's just, it, it, it was a very hard, hard, hard match. And uh, but uh, my favorite part of it was actually what followed after. Yeah, the biggest surprise probably of the whole night was uh, the lights go out, and and it's you know I don't know what it was five seconds or something, and then when the lights come back on. You know, Omega's kind of just still celebrating, and and but Penta's up, and he's and he's back up, and uh, and he just attacks Omega, and immediately like you you sort of figured it out. I think you were the first one to say, "Oh, that's Jericho." Like I was trying to figure it out too. The person who I thought it was originally uh, because we had just started talking about it was Tamatanga. I was like, "Oh, maybe this is where Tonga comes out." Because you you were asking, you know, is Tamatanga in Chicago? He might be in Chicago. And so then I was like, oh, maybe that's Tamatanga. But then you were immediately like, Jericho. And then I looked and I was like, you're right, that's Jericho. Uh, and so Jericho's dressed in, Penta- in Pentagon's gear. Um, and, and, and he attacks Omega, uh, hits him with the code breaker, and then he tells him that he'll see him on the Jericho cruise. Basically, it was just a big angle for the Jericho Cruise, which kind of made it kind of like it was like the really cool moment. The angle was cool. But then I was like, oh, I just built into something that I'm not going to see, you know, or, or, you know, I, I thought I was going to build up something for more of a new Japan audience, but 
Yeah, it's interesting to see to see Jericho on this show. You know, in the United States, so, you know, we've heard him say before that you know, I don't know, but I just thought it was interesting that he was he showed up. But uh, but like, but it was cool though. I mean, Jericho is always he's the man when it comes to like putting himself in positions to keep his name out there. This is another example of it. And. I guess the 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 intriguing part is because just just what you said, they're building to something that most of the people who are watching this show are not going to be able to see because uh, Jericho was on Wrestling Observer Radio last weekend that I co-hosted with uh, Big Dave Meltzer, and I specifically asked him like. You know, are you planning on shooting any footage, maybe turn it into a documentary? You know, the new kids on the block do a cruise and they turn it into like a 10 week, half an hour episode show on uh, pop TV. Like, is you know, have you thought about stuff like that? <laughs> and he was kind of like defensive, like, no, you have to, you know, you have to you have to be on the cruise to see it. You know, I'm not going to shoot it. You know, I'm going to make everyone put their cell phones away. And I was like, OK, like, that's fine. But. If he if he was on this show simply to sell out the last thirty cabins or whatever that he has, um, okay, cool. But it just seemed like something like this would be set up for something bigger. Yeah, that's what that's what I thought. I was like, oh, I wonder why he's tagging Omega when he's in the feud with Naito or the last last we seen of him, right? So, but then when he said the cruise line, I was like, oh, okay, that's what it was for. Yeah, um, but still, the angle angle was pretty clever, and and I thought they did a good job. I mean, the announcers, when the lights went out, they kind of like were really bad though. Some of the angle, <laughs> like you know, like oh, well, this what happens uh, live TV. Like they just weren't like it was like right when right when that happened, I'm like, okay, this is completely not not a production error. Yeah, this is a total angle. You know, they they really gave it away, but. Uh, but it was kind of cool. They did like the little delay where they, the lights came back on. Jericho and Omega still in the ring, kind of like, oh, okay, lights are back on. Like you know, that was pretty natural. He was really good at his his job of the role, and and then uh, you know, Jericho looked, looked pretty awesome in that Pentagon gear. And I thought they did a really hell of a job pulling that off. The um, and, and I didn't mean to sound I didn't, I didn't mean to sound like Jericho was a jerk or anything because he he was a really cool guest. But I just felt like there was a little bit of like um a little bit of a defensiveness to that specific question, which I, I mean, maybe it makes sense because it was so, it's so important to him to sell out this, this cruise so that, you know, that he's going to show up in on this show uh, to, to do this run in. But I, I guess uh, Fozzie is in, I want to say they're like in Kansas city or something tomorrow. So maybe it's not, maybe he was kind of close wherever Fozzie was yesterday, but um but yeah, so that was that was a cool segment. But uh, the last two matches, uh, Marty Skrull and, and Okada, we talked about this a little bit in that it started out a little slow, and and probably because the fans got you know that crazy match plus the Jericho thing, I think they were just kind of like out of breath a little bit, and so that it hurt the match a little bit in the beginning. But you know this is this is Okada, right? Like. Okada is going to start his matches and they're not really going to pick up until he hits that drop kick and then, you know, shit's on. But uh, the whole story of the match was, you know, Skrull, like, you know, everyone had told him, look, Okada's the best wrestler in the world. You have zero chance. And so his whole thing is, you know, I'm going to prove that I can hang with this guy. 
uh, very similar to like a, a Rocky against Apollo story. Like the whole goal is just to hang in there, you know, is just to look like you, like you, like you uh, deserve to be in the ring with the guy. And uh, I thought that that story was pretty good. Um, Okada, he uh, he turned into Okada like the last ten minutes of this match, where you're like, oh shit, like this guy is, is like still the best wrestler in the world. Um, and I and I really liked the match, though. You know, we mentioned at 26 minutes, it was the longest match of the show, and uh, the crowd did finally get into it. You know, the last five to ten minutes. You know, Marty trying to work the chicken wing. Um, you know, he's uh, he he snaps the fingers, but it doesn't stop Okada from hitting the rainmaker. Okada hits the spinning rainmaker, and then the other rainmaker again, and finally wins. But uh, but it was it was it was uh, you know it was a longer match. It wasn't this you know, 10 minute match where Okada kind of just runs over him. So they told that story. Now, I don't know if that was the best story to tell uh, for this match, but uh, I think, I think it worked. And I think the fans appreciated, you know, just seeing, you know, I mean, think about this, you had Omega and then you followed Omega with Okada and then you followed Okada with Kota Bushi and the Young Bucks. Like that's, that's not bad for, uh, for, for a a ticket on a Saturday night for a Chicago indie show. No, that's great. But yeah, this is probably my overall, my favorite match. It had a good story. Um, you're right. I mean, the first part of the match, I mean, it was just what it needed to be. Cause like you need to, you need to bring those people down to bring them back up again. It's just how it is. Um, I think it could have been, uh, uh, you know, 26 minutes probably could have been 20 minutes, you know, probably kept it at 20, 18 to 20. Um, it's funny, like wrestling in 2018 compared to before, like in the past, like, you know, new Japan heavyweight wouldn't really sell as much for a new Japan junior weight, you know, heavyweight. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Kata looked really, he was there for everything. He really put over Marge strong. I really like this match because, you know, Marshko, I really like him a lot, but like sometimes his comedy just kind of like disappoints me because like he's so good and like I, you know, like let's look at like you know during the Nitro era or whatever, you know, you had a guy like Dean Malenko and I kind of like always kind of compared Dean Malenko and Marshko, you know, together. But like I feel Marshko is better Dean Malenko because he has a personality mm-hmm. where Dean didn't have any personality, and I think Marty's all in all a better wrestler than Dean. Um, and so I like, it's like, I want, this is like the Marshko I, I want to see, you know, I want to see this serious Marshko, this, this badass and, and he did great. And the match was, was really good. And I like the story he told. I did like that, you know, Kata wasn't like bumping, like for the one single clothesline, it took a couple to knock Kata down. Uh, that brain buster looked perfect. That was just beautiful, beautiful executed we feel caught by the production team i mean that was a great and people bought that near fall that was awesome and uh yeah this is a really good match i know about four and a half stars this is really good um and so uh they did you know the the i mentioned the best friends uh in the battle royal so there's a, a spot in the Battle Royal where Beretta and Chuck E.T., you know, they're, they're cleaning house a little bit. And then they look at each other and then they just embrace it into a hug. And so the camera pulls back like it's Okada doing the Rainmaker pose. And I was like, why would they do that? And then I thought, oh, because 
because Ome- uh, Okada's going to do the Rainmaker pose at some point, and thus they're just like practicing, like to make sure that they're, you know, that they do it properly or whatever. I, at least that's what I thought. Maybe, you know, maybe it was just a little little joke or whatever. But uh, we did get a we did get a Rainmaker pose, so I was very happy at the end of this. But yeah, you're right that um, it was a a really good uh, big man, smaller man match where Okada still wrestled like the bigger guy. But he also he didn't you know he he made Marty's offense you know look really good and and Marty Marty looked good. I hope that because um, I think uh, Marty was in the last I think they did a four way at the last ROH title match. Um, Dalton Castle, Cody, Marty, and I forget I forget who the, who the fourth person was. Um, but uh, but you know that that was like okay Marty's. You know, Marty's in the heavyweight title match here, and uh, and and that match was, you know, it's, it's a four way, so you know, it's just mostly guys kind of, you know, waiting their turn or whatever. But this match really made him look like, oh wow, like you know, he he, he could actually, you know, be the ROH champion or yeah uh, or whatever. The, like this match made it feel like, okay, I, I could see that. You know, he he he's not, and, and you know, the one other thing that we talked about was he didn't really do anything goofy except. He brought out an umbrella when the ref the referee got bumped, and he brought out the umbrella and he conked Okada with it, and then Okada was about to do the rainmaker, and the thing that stopped the rainmaker was Marty opening the umbrella. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, but there yeah, there was that, that, that was, was the only yeah it was the only thing of the like the goofiness yeah. of the match. Yeah, I wasn't really a fan of the of the ref bump either, but. But but Marty as a villain doing some villainy like that that doesn't bother me as much. It's just when was, he does like was that the, the really, only really ref bump? over the top. That was a ref bump, yeah. Oh, was that the only one of the night? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that, that set up the spot where he used the umbrella. You yeah, know? yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So uh, we get to the main event, and like you said, there was an early call of uh, of you know we need to we need to go home. And we all looked at the clock, and there was like it was like seven fifty three or whatever. And we're like, uh oh, <laughs> like that means that they got to wrap this match up in like six minutes. Um, this match was so much fun, and you know, Rey Mysterio, Phoenix, Bandito, Young Bucks, Coda. Like, there was one thing in the entire match w- which I thought was the only thing that was even the slightest bit off. Which was, um, I think they hit. It was right before the finish. They hit Bandito with like that that thing where uh, I think uh, Nick Jackson may have had him on his shoulders. He did the he did the roll. Then he went to the top to do the moonsault. But in between, like Coda like hit something on him, and then the other the other young buck came off the top rope. And and hit something on him, and so like that was like that's like what the 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 um, the stuff that when Kenny and and Obushi uh, are, are 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 tagging together, they do that one like in sync move where they hit the moon salts and stuff. So it was like that. It was like a three person version of that, and uh, and they broke up the pin, except they didn't actually like like Bandito didn't actually kick out. Like he stayed for the three count, and and like I thought that was the only flaw in the whole match. Because there were some pretty intricate spots, like Matt Jackson was like the the ping pong ball uh, in like a just like I don't know seven or eight different moves, and they were all like perfect, uh, great like you know just lucha 
style match. Um, and it was, you know, it was only 12 minutes, so they couldn't really waste a lot doing, doing much else other than, you know, a lot of, a lot of the great moves. And, uh, and then they hit the Meltzer driver, uh, on Bandito for the win. But I was really surprised cause I'd never seen Bandito before. I thought he was really good. Obviously Phoenix and Ray are great. Uh, Coda's great. Uh, Matt it, and, and Nick have really just upped their game when it comes to like selling stuff. Like I, you know, this match could have been five minutes longer and it probably would have been uh, a better match, but still for, t- for like 11 minutes like this was a, a really really good 11 minute match for this crowd and and i think with, with you know the bucks we're gonna win this match pretty you know for sure though i i thought like i was like are are they really gonna lose here there was one time where i thought wow they're really gonna lose here but that that that, that just meant they did their job you know and so um you know i think i think the fans this was kind of like the the icing on the cake for the fans of the night yeah i mean this match was you know what it should be, right? I mean, like, this is why you booked this kind of match for all the craziness, all the spots, all the big moves, the high flying, all that. I mean, I mean, back in the Nitro days when they booked those Lucha six man tag matches, they just went out there and did big moves. That's what you expected. And, and then that's what I expect from this match. And it would have been disappoint. Um, I wish they had more time, but that was, you know, something they need to clean up next time when they, if they ever do one again, and I'm sure they will. Um, but uh, yeah, I really like Bandito. I have, I've only seen clips of him. I haven't really seen a full match, and uh, he looks like a he looks like a star. I love his look. I love his his mask. It was really cool, and uh, I thought he made a name for himself tonight, which is which is good. That's what we want to see. Um, I really like Ray. I think Ray looked like Ray of old, you know. And I and I think you know he doesn't have that much muscle mass anymore, which I think it's just better for his knees and everything and his longevity. So. Um, I, I mean, he pulled out that top rope moonsault. It looked awesome. So Ray was pumped up for this match, and Phoenix looked good. Everyone, everyone looked good. Everyone looked good. I just wish they had longer, a longer time. But you know, like I said, next time we'll. I mean, maybe, maybe then again, maybe twelve minutes is perfect because a match like this goes twenty minutes. After a while, you just kind of get numb to it. Yeah. You know, all the big spots. So maybe just twelve minutes is perfect. And then and uh, and the crowd was disappointed at all. They they went home happy after this match. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I think overall, uh, I, I would give this show a thumbs up. Uh, I know that for uh, you know for the people who were there live, who I've seen feedback from, especially if they were you know big time, uh, big time into this into the storylines from the elite, like they they really loved it, and you know this was for that crowd. Now, if you put like my son in you know in, in, in and and sit him in front of this show and tell him to watch i'm sure he's he's like okay i don't get it but you know stuff's kind of cool um but i think you know this was specifically for this crowd and it was great for what they did i think i think i can't imagine there was anyone at that building who went home and were like man i didn't get my money's worth uh, or or I was disappointed. Like I, I have a feeling this is going to be one of those you know wrestling observer like universal <laughs> universally loved uh, uh, pay per views. Uh, you know when when Dave does the feedback and he gets the thumbs up or thumbs down. Like I can't imagine uh, too many people thumbs downing this unless they went in with the idea of like I don't really watch this stuff and I want to see what the what the whole thing is about. Then maybe I could see there were some things that they didn't like, but. Overall, it seems like for their audience, it was kind of the perfect show for them. 
Yeah, I thought they hit a home run. I mean, it's they made their statement. The the whole event was successful. Um, they drew a great crowd, sold out crowd, and they're making going to make a killing on the merchandise. All that merchandise is on. So, you know, hats off to these guys. And it's it's very cool and very nice to see. And it's good for the business. You know, people are hating on it, and people that are hating on it just don't get it. It's you know, it's good to see that there's different outlets for talent to do and make like money at. And um, who knows it's going to turn into? It could be an annual event, or it could be something that they do a couple times a year. But as you know, like as you keep doing it, it's going to be harder to maintain. You know, there's only one first, right? So this is the first one. That's why it's so special. So I'd be curious to see how the other events turn out and what could they do to top what they did tonight. Yeah. I, I I completely agree. I really want to see what being the elite comes uh, comes to because you know they had actually stopped doing it and they were only gonna take. I think they were gonna take a break. Actually, is what was what was gonna happen. But uh, they noticed that you know it was just uh, it, it meant too much to their bottom line. Like doing that weekly show was was uh, very important to their T-shirt sales and stuff. And it really felt like once they announced all in, it was like okay, like now we're gonna now we're gonna you know utilize the the full power of the of this being the elite show. So without really having anything on the horizon, uh, I'm interested to see what being the elite becomes for the meantime. But uh, but yeah, you know, I think I think they. I think they have a unique opportunity to where lots of people who may not always pay attention to wrestling, who are trying to look for what's that new thing that's out there mm-hmm. that we could grab, you know, I think they had, I think they have their eyes on the show. And then, so they, there may be some opportunities coming out of this, you know, they may not be great opportunities and uh, you know, Cody and the Bucks and Omega, if you've heard them talk recently, they have a very, very high um, opinion of of themselves as far as what they're worth, which you know that that's that's all about leverage, right? Like like they understand mm-hmm. the leverage that they have today, and I, I you know I'd love to see you know what they could do. Uh, I, I think most uh, you know most people who are into this stuff probably hope that they don't go to WWE because it would really curtail their. Um, their creativity and their ability to do stuff like this. And they'll, you know, then they'll, they'll just be part of the machine, but there is a great storyline to be told. If you are able to get all these guys and bring them in and and have them as like the outsider group or, or whatever, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't imagine that WWE is, would, would necessarily allow them to, to do enough to, to get it over. But it is sort of a fantasy booking kind of thing where I know you would be like, Oh my God, like I could, you know, book this thing for like eight months before, you know, but, you know, before they had to show any, um, any chink in their armor or whatever. But yeah, I, you know, I just feel like, you know, Vince would bring them in and then in like three months they'd be on, uh, you know, the Bucks would be, uh, opening like main event or something, you know, so, <laughs> so I, I, yeah. I, I hope they stay out of it. I hope they don't go to WWE. I think the, the whole, uh, industry is better off with them kind of, as the lone wolf, you know, really, really trying to do this stuff. But then again, you know, who's, who can say no to guaranteed money? Like that's the other part, right? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's where you have a young family too, like the young bucks have. So 
it's like I said, this this year is gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be interesting, and, and it's only a couple months away before their contracts are up, and and we'll see what's gonna happen next. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't think Kenny goes. There's no way he can leave his uh, his soulmate Coda. <laughs> Can't leave him, man. Yeah. <laughs> yep. True. All right, man. So uh, so we'll we'll chat soon. We have some ideas on doing more of a weekly fight game blog. Uh, podcast talking about some of the wrestling that maybe people aren't even really paying attention to. So we're we're still kind of getting that squared away, uh, figuring out what we want to watch and what we want to review. But in the meantime, you know, we'll we'll do stuff like this as well. So uh, for uh, for John, you can find him on Twitter at Laraka JL. Uh, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.